Hello, listeners of Peacappy Podcast. It's been a busy holiday season for some of us, but you know, plenty to talk about. Did we not have a movie last weekend? A movie special for so many reasons, not one of which being one of the few Pokemon movies of late to get a wide theatrical release. Not like it was showing on every screen or that it was particularly well-marketed, necessarily, but but when a movie shows up at the Megaplex in Ogden, Utah, like, it's going above the minimum stops, so I'm pretty happy. Did you all get to see it? If you didn't, well, you should try. It's probably out of theaters by the time I'm recording this, but you know, I'm pretty sure that during the holiday season, the cable networks will come through for us. And Japan typically has the July Pokemon movie available on DVD by December. And I encourage you to make all efforts to see this movie, because it was a really good time. Fun in the way you expect a Pokemon movie to be, and a lot of things you don't always expect a Pokemon movie to be. Without flying too far off the mark. And if that seems like a bit of a paradox, well, fear not, because for the first time on the regular show, Peak Happy Podcast is getting a guest to help explain some of that. Longtime listener of the podcast, Logan, also known as at AnimeGuy01 on Twitter, graciously sat down with my sleep-deprived self after work to discuss uh, the Pokemon movie number 20, Pokemon I Choose You. And today we'll share some thoughts and comments in a non-spoilery fashion, Uh, but for those on the Patreon, you'll get an episode that is just filled to the brim with spoilers. Because there's a lot of joy I can't talk about without spoiling the fun. And then, after my chat with Logan, we will get into our regularly scheduled episode, Advanced Generation number 24, A Corefish Out of Water. So a lot of fun stuff coming your way. Without further ado, let's get into Movie 20. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and Pokemon of indeterminate gender to Peak Happy Podcast. We kind of have a special edition for you today. Um, I'd like to, you know, to welcome my guest, Logan, also known as Anime Guy 01. Say hi from the internet, everybody. Hello. Um, we're together today to talk about a movie, a, a very special and unusual movie to come out of the Pokemon franchise, uh, Movie 20, uh, Pokemon I Choose You. 
Um, and we're going to do this in two halves. The first one that if you all are listening to the regular series, you can enjoy. Um, we're going to have the non-spoilery edition. And once we're done with that, we're going to go just full on spoilers and, and talk about every part of the movie that that loved and excited us. So uh, first for our non-spoilery edition, Logan, what did you think of the movie? I thought it was very amazing. Uh, it it told um, an amazing story, even even keeping the uh, main first episode very little changed from basically having like the first episode in the show. Aside from, well, if you've seen any of the trailers, right, yeah. no Misty. Yeah, it kind of took a departure in that sense. Like you know, some of our our main cast and beloved characters were not present but I, I was surprised yeah at how closely they were able to stick to some of the main beats and the the spirit of the show like it's a different ash who's been through different experiences but at the same time it's the same ash and pikachu yes and luckily he doesn't know anyone to bike this time <laughs> although that would have been hilarious let's see without giving too many spoilers is there anything about the movie that uh took you by surprise is there any like lasting impressions well there's a lot uh right yeah I most know of which would be in spoiler territory ask, but... <laughs> it's like uh well they had a very interesting montage showing ash and pikachu having their I, adorable I guess a better adventure way to what i'm asking is um there, there's a lot of people who, like, were not quite sure about this movie. We weren't sure what it was going to be, you know, if it was going to rehash all the things we'd already seen or, you know, depart too much from the series we'd kind of grown to know and love because it's not technically canon. Is there anything or any what, – what would be your pitch to get people to take a chance on this movie, basically, I guess? Well, I'd say that – well, essentially, it's very, very good. It, uh, it manages to keep the story contained in itself without having, you don't really have to go out and see anything else in order to understand the story. Uh, I, they include some gen, uh, some Kalos Pokemon, but like, my father, like he and I used to play years and years ago, but he dropped off in uh after Emerald came out. But I basically suggested to him and he'd probably be yeah, able to awesome. stay good with the story. Yeah, no, it was kind of fun for me. Like there was kind of all the basic stuff. I watched it with a room full of twenty somethings, I think. Like I don't think there was a single kid in that theater. But there was so many like aha moments for all those people who had been watching for forever, but had n clearly not been keeping up with the series. But at the same time, there were so many little cameos and kind of Easter eggs for this, the series as it continued on through. Like, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but there was a certain character who really surprised me to see in that movie. And I guess we will talk about that later. And one thing I think I can say without spoiling anything is uh, that, for the very first time, we get to see the yeah. two other Paltown trainers. Are, are we certain they are both from? Oh wait! Oh wait! No, this was in the the part I missed. Please continue. I, for anyone who doesn't know, I I missed the first couple minutes uh, of the movie. Well, essentially, 
Well, essentially, uh, when Ash gets to uh, Professor Oak's laboratory, he's like, okay, I thought about it a lot. I want Squirtle. It's like, oh, uh, and Professor Oak says, yeah, someone already took it. And when you see a mini flashback, you don't see his face, but you see a person with <laughs> brown hair and a purple awesome. shirt putting Squirtle on a Pokeball. Then he's like, okay, now I want... Okay, then, okay, if I can't have Squirtle, then I'll have Bulbasaur. Okay, it uh, essentially goes, and then he says, like, nope, someone already got Bulbasaur, oh and it's do, a girl. Do we, it, from her design, do we know who she is? Like, is she a game character and, or an anime character we've seen already? Okay, I've got to go back to that. I do theme. not believe so. <laughs> Though... And also the and also the uh, third one who got Charmander, uh, he seems to be a uh, okay. short, rather chubby kind oh, of character. My goodness, this is amazing. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I'm sorry you missed it. I we also got some interesting did. cameos in the uh, in the very beginning. Oh my gosh! Yeah, no, in the I... very beginning of it. You know, you know, you know the mm-hmm. battle that uh, basically starts off the series. Yeah, you get uh, a battle between two cameos. One has a, one has a Gengar and a oh, Venusaur, oh. and one has a Blastoise. You you might recognize the names of the Pokemon, uh, even though they're not said. <laughs> Shellshocker and Brute Root. They're facing amazing. off in the Pokemon oh, League Finals. I, my friend who I went with, we, we came separately, and I told her I might be late, so she's got to tell me anything I missed that was important. Clearly, she does not know what is important in my life. <laughs> oh, this is great. And also, Ash, <laughs> once again, did break his uh, alarm clock. Oh, my goodness. Awesome. Well... Ed is extremely clumsy because he falls down three flights of stairs and off his bed, which is high enough to be oh, like gosh. a bunk bed, four times. It's like, no, I think I may, I think <laughs> I may know why this is non-canon. This is this is all a dream. It's no Ash gets smacked. Ash falls down three flights of stairs. <laughs> well, in the span we'll talk of about a some things hour. that happen later. I will accept that this movie is all and, a dream. And that, <laughs> Yeah, and then gets shocked by Pikachu twice. Uh, all right, so we've talked through a few of the positives. Are there any negatives in this movie? Like, for like for me, I would have to say I loved this movie. I had such a great time at the movie theater. But if I were trying to hold it up against maybe some of the other Pokemon movies in terms of maybe plot or or things like that, it it doesn't necessarily hold up as much as I'd want it to. Like, do you have any any criticisms of the movie? I'd say there's a bit of an issue with some of the pacing. Like, around the middle of the movie, there's this, like, very emotional scene that then just cuts, then, like, a minute later, all of a sudden, oh, action and stuff. It's like, I think we could have, like, stayed on that thing, on that, for, mm-hmm. uh... A little bit longer yeah, I would definitely before we got into the action. If I think I know the emotional scene you're talking about, I would like that to have had some consequences over a couple more scenes, if possible. But, yeah. 
And also, uh, certain cameos that mm. were there just to be there. Which, when we get into the spoiler part, I will talk about how I think right. that they could have been u- utilized yeah, no, a lot definitely better. There was, there were a few missed opportunities and a few missteps in this movie. Although I would have to say overall, it feels like as in the writer's room, somebody just like threw out a script and just said, let's go nuts. Like they, like for every misstep they took, they gave us something that was so astounding and like unique. I think I like, I I don't know in the end, I, I kind of feel very happy about this movie. If you had to rate it out, you know, out of five pokeballs, what would your rating be? I give it uh, somewhere between a three point five and a four. It, would it be in yeah. in one of your, in your top ten, top twenty of Pokemon movies, or I think it'd be my top ten. Okay, um, thank you so much for talking to me, Logan. All right. Thank you, everybody else a uh, for, being here. for listening to this podcast. Um, and if you have any comments of your own about Movie 20, uh, I'm sure a lot of you were able to see it and have opinions out the wazoo. Please comment in the comment section. Um, and until then, this is Peek Uppy Podcast signing off. Gotta catch them all. All right. That was my first half of the discussion with Logan. Um, again, you can find him on Twitter at, at AnimeGuy01, and you definitely should. He's got lots of observations about Pokemon, and all of them have been delightful and fun. Now let's see, we've we've gone off the road a little bit to talk about something that's technically sort of kind of not canon. And this, this show, its whole premise is that we're going to talk about every episode of the main series. Um... So, that brings us to Advanced Generation, episode number 24, A Corefish Out of Water. But first, a plug for our sponsor, PokePress. What some of you may not know about uh, Steven, who runs that YouTube channel, is that he really loves parody music and writes a lot of his own fun fun Pokemon-themed lyrics. And recently, for um, our discussion of the Manaphy movie and the English and Japanese ending themes... Uh, he commissioned a song about Manaphy set to Fallout Boy's Thanks for the Memories. It turned out pretty great and was way fun to listen to. Uh, you should definitely go on over to YouTube um, and search Poke Press and watch Thanks for the Manaphy. No vowels, just like the song title it's a parody of. And give that song a listen, and if you like it, make that thing blow up. It's delightful. He also has a video up with some behind-the-scenes information on that song. So if you're interested in how that song came to be, that's another good video to check out. But definitely go give that video some love if you're a fan of Pokemon, of comedy, of parody music, of Fallout Boy. Like, these are all the good things in one 3 minute and 29 second package. And I'll definitely have a link to that on my blog page, which I'll give you after the episode. But let's get into that episode, A Corefish Out of Water. Ash is preparing for the next big battle. Uh, He doesn't say, but probably the one with Brawly. I I hope he's got enough done on his little island getaway training. He did get some perspective and a new Pokemon, so he's probably actually in pretty good shape. 
So Ash is now polishing everyone's Pokeballs, getting everything ready that he possibly can. Corfish's idea of getting ready is to eat everything in sight, so it's on the right team. It starts with some seaweed, then moves to rope, and then like a wooden buoy until Ash tries to stop it, unsuccessfully. Corfish will not be separated from its food. It's it's kind of got this rambunctious, impetuous attitude, coupled with not knowing its own strength. Like, even if it's not trying to be a jerk, it, it ends up hurting the people around it. Ash gets whacked, and when he brings Corfish over to meet the rest of the Pokémon, its method of socializing is a bit over the top. It, it whacks everybody over the head with Crabhammer. And Brock's just like, that's how Corfish say hello, which... I don't know if that's really an excuse. Explains it a little, maybe, but it's still gotta stop. But everyone calms down and tries to get to know Corfish a little. May and Max are not big fans. But they all eat breakfast, and with so many lively appetites among this crew, it sticks out like a sore thumb that May and her Wurmple aren't eating. Specifically Wurmple, May's just worried about it. It's a bit of a problem, but we can't deal with it right now, because Team Rocket is here to steal Pikachu. They grab him with the metal claw thing, and then go into a Corfish-themed motto with a time delay effect? Team Rocket may be running low on supplies, but innovation is at an all-time high. Well, the twerps are able to catch Team Rocket's balloon by hooking it with string shot, and just like that one time where they were able to reel in the Magikarp sub, this actually works. They can keep the balloon tethered for a while, and it's going okay, until Corfish tries to help pull the balloon in, and then its claws snap the string shot, and everything's lost. Like a game of -of tug-of-war. Once the tension is gone, Team Rocket goes blasting off. And May's furious, like, Team Rocket got away with Pikachu, and they were this close to catching the crooks before Corfish stepped in. And Brock's like, don't blame Corfish, blame Ash. After all, Corfish was only doing what it was told to do. And I would say, Pikachu's just been kidnapped, guys. I don't think Ash needs the extra help in going on that guilt trip. Anyway, they get back to plan B of the rescue, tracking down the balloon. Which has just crashed. It sucks for Team Rocket, but they do still have Pikachu in a cage, so now all they have to do is get off this island before Ash and the cavalry catch up to them. And that gives them, like... Five seconds. The balloon did not blast off far this time, I guess. Ash has Corfish use Bubble Beam, which launches Pikachu's cage into the air, but before he can catch it, James sends out Cacnea and Jesse sends out Saviper. Cacnea is too busy hugging James to be useful, but Saviper grabs Pikachu, and then Wormpole grabs Pikachu with String Shot, and May uses her incredible twerp powers of reeling things in that these kids have been developing lately to bring Pikachu home. After that little volley, Pikachu returns safely to Ash's arms, and Wurmple flops over and takes a break. Well earned, I have to say. Jesse is ticked off, not just because they lost the day, but because May's Wurmple got to be the hero. Cue the obligatory comparing of who has the best, the cutest Wurmple. Brock's like, I don't know, every Wurmple I've seen all looks the same to me. Brock, you're so speciesist. I don't know if Pokemon get experience from trainers battling with their words and compliments, but just at that moment, both Wurmple evolve in twin flashes of light. That might be why Maze wasn't eating. It was 
preparing for an evolution or, or his body was just going crazy. I don't know. But soon we have two Silcoon, little cute cocooned Pokemon who will someday evolve into beautiful winged creatures. May's super excited. She's been wanting a Silcoon after all ever since she met Janet. She's wanting that beautifly it will eventually become. And Jessie's excited too. She thinks Silcoon is cute and the eventual beautifly it will become is beautiful just like her. And James and Meowth sidle up to her and are like, look at each other, that is not a Silcoon she's holding. They also don't tell her, which is interesting because you can see they know. They look at each other like, I know you know. And it's just like, all right, we'll let her keep believing the lie. Well, battle ensues. Corfish and Pikachu send Team Rocket blasting off. Uh, but then Corfish just kind of keels over. Maybe it's going to evolve. <laughs> but no, it's got a fever. And now that the battle's over, Ash has got to heal his Pokemon, but they're not anywhere near a Pokemon Center. Remember, they're all on the far side of the island, where Stephen just kind of dropped them off. And all the Pokeballs are back at camp. Ash left them in favor of chasing down Team Rocket, so he can't just put Corfish in a Pokeball and keep it in a sort of stasis until they arrive. Well, this fever of Corfish's is turning into kind of a big deal, and Ash doesn't think there's enough time to run back and grab the Pokeballs and still get his Pokemon to a center for treatment. So he's going to bypass that and just carry the Pokemon to the center. And I am now going to call shenanigans. I mean, normally I'd look at how Team Rocket blasts off and be like, yeah, those Pokeballs are probably way the heck back there. There's no way you're getting to them and to this hospital in time. But if that's what the show is trying to establish, then they probably should have cut away from the twerps for like more than half a second. That's why I commented, like, I guess the balloon did not blast off far. There was literally less than a minute before the twerps were on Team Rocket. So it makes this current problem a little hard to buy. Like, you almost can't believe the Pokeballs aren't in sight if Ash just peers around a tree. <laughs> That's where we're at, though. And Ash is like, I'm going to carry Corfish on my back all the way to the Pokemon Center. And everyone else is like, I'm not sure you're strong enough for that. Like, why do you got to play the hero all the time? But this is what Ash is going to do. So he takes Pikachu with him for help, has Trico and Talo stay back to help Brock and May and Max to collect the Pokeball and, and set up camp and everything. The Pokemon Center in Duford Town is on the other side of the island, the other side of this mountain, and Ash is going to travel there as the Talo flies. Just hike up the mountain and down the other side. By mountain, we really mean steep hill. Um, but there's still a couple problems with this, like Corfish already has a fever, and now it's just heating up more under the sun like a baked lobster. So Ash has to stop from time to time, get Corfish some water, and try to cool it down. Also, the three of them are starving since Team Rocket attacked before any of them could eat breakfast, and any wild berries they find are protected by angry shroomish. And then, once they climb every mountain, they've now got to ford every stream. There's this river they gotta cross. Ash can see Duford and the Pokemon Center on the other side. He's just gotta carry Corfish across while also dodging the angry Carvana. A.K.A. the Pokemon Killer Piranha Fish. So, 
You'd think part of this problem could be solved just by waving at somebody on the other end of the river and asking for help or getting Pikachu to talk to the fish. I don't know. But Ash, he finds a boat in the brush and decides to row across and have Pikachu just electrocute everything. I guess the fishies aren't listening to reason. It is a simple plan. It's direct. It's not near enough to take on all the fish, though. So Ash is forced to retreat again, but they've got to get across the river. Corfish is looking really rough. So they comb the riverbank, but the only bridge they find is broken. And so there's only one way to get to Duford Town. They're going to have to wade through the river. And I do applaud Ash's earnestness, but I think the writing staff was just digging for ways for him to be heroic this episode. Some of this feels like he's trying too hard. Also, these kids really need to invest in a phone or some poke gear. One call could have saved a lot of trouble. Anyway, Ash puts Corfish and Pikachu on top of a plank of wood and holds it above his head while he wades across the river. Already, this kid is holding a lot of weight above his head, like, kiss all the discs in your upper spine goodbye. Uh, and then there's the angry fish. So at about the halfway point, Ash has Pikachu jump to shore, relieving some of the weight... Um, and then Pikachu uses Thunderbolt on all the Carvana and somehow miraculously does not also electrocute its trainer. How does this even work? But they keep it up like that for a while, like, Pikachu on my three o'clock! And, you know, Pikachu keeps frying the fishies and Ash keeps waiting. But still the fish keep coming and a few of them tackle Ash. Hard. Corfish is amazed at the lengths its trainer will go to to keep it safe. The suffering he will endure. I shouldn't be so cynical. Like, this this is Ash's best quality, but the episode is almost overkill, like, making it cheesy. Well, Ash finally makes it to the other side, gets Corfish to the Pokemon Center, and Nurse Joy announces that after some rest, Corfish will be fighting fit. And that is what we always want to hear from Nurse Joy. And what Joy wants to hear is, why you be letting your Pokemon eat wooden rope? What's going on here? <laughs> Some things can't be explained. Like Brock, May, and Max. I totally thought they were going to pack up camp and meet Ash at the Pokemon Center, but no. Turns out they just went back to camp and now they're going to wait. Which is weird, because the whole plan that morning was that they were headed towards the main center of Dewford so that Ash could, like, Pokemon battle and stuff. So, like, Ash is already there. Why make him come all the way back so just so you can walk around the island again <laughs> but whatever maybe just the, maybe they're just taking their sweet time either way late at night uh, the kids are sitting around the campfire and they hear the sounds of some Aron. normally they only hang out in the caves so what's up with that why are a bunch of those cave pokemon hanging out in the open and making so much noise at night so the kids go investigate and they find a cassette tape playing Pokemon sounds. Huh. Why would that be out here? Except as a lure to get the kids to stand directly on top of the trap set by Team Rocket. Team Rocket leveled up with their trapping skills. They're going for a little more craftiness than just digging a hole. And the kids are in legit cages, too, like bird cages. Well done, Team Rocket. You, you spared no expense today. Ironically, Ash's Talo is the only one not caught in the birdcage trap. 
Well, Team Rocket is disappointed because they didn't realize that the whole Ash and Corfish eating a bunch of fishing equipment debacle uh, was happening. So they thought they'd get Pikachu in this trap. And, and basically the only Pokemon they really caught was Trico. And in the process of figuring that out, they accidentally triggered their third unused trap and trap themselves, which is more of a problem than usual because you can't break out from the inside and haha, tide is rising fast. Ash is probably going to have double rescue duty on this episode, which would be great if he wasn't sleeping by his sick Pokemon's bedside on the other half of the island. Um, but before we get to the drama... Cute Ash battles in his sleep and Corfish responds. This is adorable. I come from a family of notorious sleep talkers, and and there are a couple of stories of like my brothers and things like having sleep talking conversations with each other. So this kind of reminds me of that. Uh, but we've got to wake Ash and Corfish up. They've got to go help some friends. How to get a message to him? Well, there is a tape recorder and a cassette conveniently nearby, and a bird that is not trapped. Brock is pretty smart. He records a quick message to Ash and gets Taylor to ferry it to him at the Pokemon Center. And I hope Taylor hurries, because otherwise this is going to be the worst thing Ash is ever going to receive. Well, Taylor arrives by morning as the sun is high in the sky, just as Corfish wakes up and is pronounced healthy. I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Tide moves a bit quicker than that, which is why it can be so dangerous, like, that the Tide can rise before you have a chance to get out of the area you're in sometimes. Maybe it's not a hard and fast rule, I just remember a lot of lectures to my younger self of why I needed to tell adults where I was playing and not go into restricted zones. <laughs> Either way, Brock, May, and Max have been down there for hours upon hours, and at the rate the water was rising in that one scene, I I'm pretty sure they don't know how lucky they are. Because the message is delivered, and, like, these would be some frantic and horrible last words. But Ash acts on it. Corfish is in fine form, so with the triumphant music backing it, they arrive on the scene and burst through the cages. They save the friends... Um, they're helped along by Nurse Joy and her motorboat. Like, we are not dealing with the Carvana any more than we have to. So, everyone gets rescued. Nurse Joy takes them all back to the city, and then Team Rocket turns on the twerps. Like they do. Gratitude is short-lived. But I don't think that took anyone by surprise. Ash is like, yeah, we're ready for you. Pikachu, Thunderbolt. Team Rocket goes blasting off for the final time, and May and Max make nice with Corfish. Saving one's life will tend to inspire that, and Corfish is happy to be their friend and expresses that joy in its usual way of knocking people on the head. This episode is a little clunky. Like, they're trying to establish that Ash will do anything for his Pokemon, which gets the loyalty of Corfish, and also establish Corfish as super aggressive, but in a rambunctious, friendly way. But, you know... None of the episode makes a lot of sense, like logic and rules went out the window. Silcoon and and uh, Cascoon evolved and, like, it barely got a footnote. Which is really sad, because Wurmple's actually been getting a lot of stuff to do lately and is, like, legit becoming a character. <laughs> like, it deserved a slightly bigger moment for its evolution. 
And so much of this plot is more complicated than it needs to be, and most of it shouldn't have worked. So I can't say I'm really a fan, but it does have a few nice moments, and like the thing with the cassette tape was kind of clever. And as much as it took some suspension of disbelief to get us there, I do love seeing Ash be the big hero and enduring pain for the sake of his Pokemon, so... My melodramatic fanfic writing heart kind of loves that. Um, But I don't know, like we've seen this episode and these themes done so much better before. So I was kind of expecting more. Like maybe a little nuance or a different take or if we were going to rehash all the old beats, like make them good. But we still had fun and, you know, we're done with filler for a little while. The Duford Island rematch battle is coming up next. The Duford Island rematch is coming up fast, so that's something to look forward to. Thank you so much for listening for this this episode on episode 24 of Advanced Generation and some discussion on movie 20. Um, And if you want more of that, Logan and I go deep into spoiler territories on my Patreon at patreon.com slash professionaldork. You can find out all the things we loved, some of the things that we thought could be better, a lot of things that took us by surprise, because my goodness, surprising things happened in this movie. It was a movie and a half. So all those things. You can find Peekappy Podcast on the internet at peekappypodcast.blogspot.com, on Facebook and Twitter at Podcast. You can find us on iTunes and where all other fine podcasts are streamed. Send your comments to peekappypodcast at gmail.com. But most of all, thank you for listening. This has been Peekappy Podcast. Gotta catch them all. <laughs>